0: Welcome to Word on the Street, a weekly podcast from Barclays UK where our experts help ordinary investors make sense of the latest news and events impacting the world's financial markets. For this Spring Budget Special, our panel of experts will discuss the implications of the government's recent budget announcement. The information is intended to provide only a general outline of the subjects covered in the Spring Budget. It should not be regarded as comprehensive or sufficient for making decisions, nor should it be used in place of professional advice.
1: Hello and welcome to this Word on the Street budget special. I'm Phil Attreed, Barclays Head of Investment Consulting, and I'm joined today by a quartet of our experts. um, Our ever present CIO, Will Hobbs, Lee Platt, one of our senior wealth planners, Sophie Traherne from Government Relations, and a special budget appearance, Emma Hoskin-Williams from Ernst & Young's private client and trust team. Um, A lively day for news flow yesterday, even by recent standards. Um, we'll look to not only cover off the uh, budget but an interest rate cut from the Bank of England and further market volatility. So Emma, uh, welcome. This was the budget held over from last year given the seamless endless, uh, seemingly, seemingly endless uh, Brexit focus and it's the first one of two actually for this year. Maybe you could just start us off with some of the big takeaways as you saw them.
0: Absolutely and thank you very much for having me Phil. Um, So the new Chancellor delivered his first budget speech yesterday and whilst it was primarily focused on the UK Government's response to coronavirus and the stability of the UK economy, there were a number of personal tax measures announced. So one of the key announcements which will be of interest to investors was the reduction of the lifetime limit for entrepreneurs relief. So with effect from yesterday, the lifetime limit on gains eligible for entrepreneurs relief was reduced from £10 million to £1 million. Now this represents quite a significant reduction which will no doubt be disappointing for investors who had planned to make use of this relief and may now no longer be able to do so. The measures will generally apply to disposals made on or after 11th March 2020 but forestalling rules do exist that can also impact certain disposals prior to that date. Also some changes announced in relation to pensions. So from the 6th of April this year, the threshold income and adjusted income threshold for the purposes of the tapered annual allowance will increase to £200,000 and £240,000 respectively. So this will be a welcome change for a number of people and will mean that individuals with income below £200,000 should not be affected by the tapered annual allowance going forward. The minimum amount to which the annual allowance can taper down to will reduce from £10,000 to £4,000 from the 6th of April this year as well. However, this measure should only impact individuals with total income, including pension accrual, of over three hundred thousand um, pounds. The Chancellor also announced that national insurance um, threshold would increase to nine and a half thousand pounds from the sixth of April this year, and this is in line with the government's aim of aligning national insurance and income ta- tax thresholds. So, the increase in national insurance threshold will represent an annual saving of around hundred pound for individuals. And one final point that might be of interest to individuals was the announcement in relation to fuel duty and the Chancellor confirmed that fuel duty would be frozen again for the 10th year in a row.
1: Fantastic, thanks Emma. So Sophie, um, from a political perspective, is there a feeling maybe that the Chancellor could have held back on some of the anticipated personal tax changes in, in favour of a bit of a focus or more of a focus on addressing uh, coronavirus?
2: Yes, um, this this clearly was not a normal budget, given the the focus on the situation with coronavirus. Um, the Chancellor, who, as a reminder, is is only been in role for barely four weeks, uh, started his budget day speech by talking about what the government was doing on the virus, rather than the traditional start to budget, which is the economic forecast OBR overview. Um, you know he, he very much had to reassure businesses, citizens and, and indeed the markets that the government is taking the necessary steps to prevent public health and, and economic uh, damage as a result of the virus and the package was fairly extensive uh, you'll have no doubt seen the headlines over 30 billion to help support the economy including 5 billion emergency response for the funding for the NHS, uh, 500 million hardship fund for local authorities to support vulnerable people, a commitment on statutory sick pay, there was also a real focus on supporting uh, small businesses who might be impacted, uh, business rates, relief packages um, support for the self-employed etc. So um, this was very much a a coronavirus uh, 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 focused budget um, uh, as as the Chancellor started his speech. Um, But he did also have to try and meet some of the promises that were made to the millions of people who voted Conservative, some for the first time in their lives, uh, in December. So this combination obviously amounted to a significant amount of extra spending, which comes to your point about uh, anticipated personal tax changes. And it does seem that some of the more uh, divisive revenue raising measures have been delayed. Um, Obviously there were some that have been mentioned, Entrepreneurs Release for example, but in general the view seems to be that we could have a particularly interesting autumn budget this year when some of those tax changes, the the revenue raises could come to the fore.
1: Thanks Sophie. Um, So Leah, possibly a quieter day than anticipated for you and your colleagues in wealth planning, Uh, but one of the big areas of speculation was pensions. Um, Emma touched on it there, uh, the possibility of a raid on pension tax relief, that, that didn't materialise. And in fact, actually, there was some relief for higher earners, uh, as Emma mentioned. Could you just touch on the opportunity that may now present itself? Yeah,
3: thanks, Phil. So the um, the, the increase in the um, at tapering of the annual allowance was really mentioned in the budget towards targeting um, high earners within the NHS, so consultants. So of course, everybody that's impacted by the that change, as, uh, as as Emma just mentioned, will also benefit from this increase in the in the thresholds to being affected by the the pensions taper. It does give rise to you know some great opportunity for people that found themselves impacted previously by the the tapering of the annual allowance which meant ultimately that their annual pension contributions were tapered down from the maximum £40,000 to uh, to potentially down to £10,000. So this will give scope to people that were previously inf- uh, affected by that to ultimately have a look at the position and um, encourage all individuals of course to seek advice. Pensions can be a fairly complex and technical area, so to make sure that you're fully aware of any opportunities, do seek advice and uh, follow that through as
1: Sophie says, possibly an area that might get revisited in the second budget of the year uh, later on in in the autumn. Um, So moving on, uh, I think a major concern for local communities and small businesses around coronavirus has very much been um, the, the impact of containment and the potential for lockdown and would local businesses survive. Um, you know really i suppose the question is was the budget the medicine small businesses need uh, to get through that emma and then will if i can come to you
0: absolutely and i think you know it would be very much a case of wait and see sophie touched on a few of the measures that were brought in yesterday so we've got the statutory sick pay measures you know increases to certain business rates There's a a new temporary coronavirus business loan scheme that's being introduced, um, and also measures around um, time to pay that the the revenue are going to introduce to help those with outstanding tax liabilities in financial distress. So I think there were certainly a number of measures introduced, um, but as I say, I think it will be a case of waiting to see what the impact is and how far those measures go to help address that.
4: Uh, That's exactly right. I mean, hardly anything to add to Emma's comments there. I mean, I would point out. just what we're looking at at the moment and, and, and the latest data we've got in terms of um, kind of fatality and reproduction rates actually comes from um, South Korea. And this is where South, South Korea is the country which has done the most extensive testing. Um, a lot of other countries have found trouble with this. And so we're getting a lot of skewed data from other countries. But if you look at the experience of South Korea, you're so so far seeing a kind of case fatality rate of about 0.6 percent, so six people in every thousand sadly dying. Um, and a reproduction rate that looks roughly similar to kind of seasonal, um, seasonal seasonal flu. Now, you might even argue that that 0.6% is skewed heavy. Some are arguing that that's skewed heavy um, by the fact that people only go to get tested if they get, you know, relatively severe symptoms. So there's a kind of um, a severity bias, I guess, within that number. So overall, you know, this is a serious uh, disease, a serious threat. But a lot of the kind of measures you're seeing from the Bank of England and from the government yesterday are really about facilitating social distancing, facilitating containment so that you can um, what's called flatten the curve, i.e., you know, the, you get the same number of of overall cases over a period of time, but you buy your medical, your hospital, you know, your hospitals and medical facilities, healthcare facilities, time to treat them. Because what you tend to find, or history teaches us, and I have to first of all say that I'm not an expert in this subject, I'm not parroting uh, other experts that we get access to, Um, but what you tend to uh, have found historically is in some of these situations, what you can get, if you get panic, and also, you know, fragile health systems in general, that can be the more dangerous thing in many ways, because a lot of the people who uh, suffer during these outbreaks can be people who are not actually affected directly by the disease in question. Uh, it can be other stuff uh, that comes along that they are no longer able to get um, uh, get treatment for. So, you know, the government is buying time for, um, you know, the social distancing to work. And what we can see is that there is a significant um, and as yet indeterminate, uh, uh, you know, indeterminate hit coming down the pipeline um, to the UK economy. Um, but in our opinion, um, at the moment, it's still likely a temporary hit, um, and um, and one that is um, digestible, even if the economy might experience a technical recession.
1: Fantastic. And and Will, this I think felt like it spelt the end um, to some of the sort of more recent um, austere budgets that that we've been used to what at you know what what is the extent um of what what does the extent of the spending really mean for the for the uk economy in terms of the broader budget
4: yeah i mean we've got to um so the OBR numbers don't, I think, account. Uh, they 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 are looking at um, COVID as a China phenomenon, and there's not some of the other more recent factors not um, not not put in either. So you know the oil price uh, shock that we've seen at the beginning of this week. So there are um, the borrowing may be slightly greater than is you know than the headlines appear. But uh, our suspicion here is that you know if you know if I could borrow for 0.5% for ten years, I'd borrow a lot more than I currently am. I tell you, but uh, and I think the UK government remember you know that governments um, have. Um, Have the ability to raise taxes and um, they tend to have they have a a monopoly on tax raising and so they generally can sustain a quite a lot more borrowing than people realize and i think with borrowing costs so low uh, and it would depend on what you spend it on obviously um but i don't think um you know the, the 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 amount of debt the uk owes at the moment is necessarily a problem just in isolation but they have to find productive ways to spend um that money that's the important thing
1: And I was going to touch on exactly that. I mean, I suppose the question on a lot of people's minds is how can they afford that spending without that taxation coming through? Is that really because of the borrowing rates that we're seeing at the moment?
4: I think that's a large part of it, but you may find eventually that, you know, tax rates have to to go up again. But the key again for, 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 you know, for debt, long term sustainability of debt is productivity. Uh, And that is where some people are saying that the OBR's long term forecasts are a little bit optimistic on the UK's productivity profile. There's certainly a bit of work that the UK needs to do to make us, uh, you know, a more productive economy. Um, and you know, I guess that is part of the sort of levelling up agenda that this uh, this administration has been talking about. Um, but there's there's a lot to do here, and there's a lot that you know, if you can borrow at that rate for 10 years and beyond, um, then it makes the threshold of projects that you should be able to find that are um, that are that beat your cost of capital, cost of funding, essentially. Um, there should be more of them around. So there are things that the government can do, and we hope they're going to do them.
1: So Sophie, turning to you on on that levelling up point, um, does this deliver on the Conservatives' manifesto pledge of levelling up inclusivity across the UK. I think there was even at some point a reference to them being the real workers' party.
2: Yes, um, when talking about uh, increasing national insurance threshold, uh, uh, the Chancellor also mentioned changes the Conservatives made previously to national living wage and income tax, and and then he said the Conservatives are are the real workers' party. And um, this this obviously shows that shift in the Conservative party economic ideology that's happened as a result of the uh, election at the end of last year. you know as we know the conservatives uh, broke through those red wall seats in the north midlands and in parts of wales as a reminder 140 new mps 106 of those are tories uh, and of those 106 54 seats were taken from labor in the north and the midlands so um this budget was about honouring those manifesto pledges to those, those northern heartlands. Um, lots on infrastructure investment, so the levelling up agenda, uh, road investment, potholes, uh, even a new northern uh, economic campus was announced. So um, a lot in there, um, a, as well as Corona, but a lot in there on, on levelling up agenda. And that was obviously something the government were always going to want to get across in this budget.
1: And just staying with you there, any sort of early murmurings of things to come, particularly um, sort of thinking ahead to the second budget of the year?
2: Uh, It's very early days. I think with budgets as well, um, the couple of uh, hours and days afterwards are always the more telling about what's actually going to make the headlines. So I would just uh, uh, stay tuned and and keep, keep looking at the news, really.
1: Great. Thanks, Sophie. Um, So, Lee, um, just turning back to the we mentioned earlier on, the uh, national insurance um, changes. So, about £100 or so in every worker's pocket through the national insurance threshold boost. But I've seen some comments there um, that our listeners might be interested in around a loophole that some employers in this income bracket do need to be aware of.
3: Yeah, certainly. So, although the national insurance uh, increase will be welcomed by many, There is this potential risk where people that are falling out of uh, national insurance um, need to make sure that they are still being eligible for pension credits um, and to make sure that those are still being topped up, the risk of course being that it's something that uh, that isn't noticed and you find out at a later stage that you're falling short and might have to make some additional contributions later on down the line. So really important for people that are eligible to that that they do um, check if you're uncertain speak to a financial advisor or sit in as advice bureau to see exactly where you stand.
1: Great, thanks Lynn. And just sticking to you and then we we'll move on to Emma. Anything else that you've seen that our listeners should ensure that they're on top of from a from a personal perspective?
3: So there, were, there was lots of anticipated changes. Of course, most of these didn't come to fruition in the budget, but one of the big areas that does remain topical is of course inheritance tax. Um, we were expecting a, a few... Overriding changes, none of those came to, to fruition at all. But it's still a highly topical area. Um, the, the government raised record breaking £5.4 billion of, of IHT revenue in the last financial year, and all indicators look to show that that will increase year upon year. Um, it's uh, no news for some people, could be good news. So for people that are looking to put in plans or being holding off, making any plans for potential changes in the budget, then it is important that, uh, again, they seek advice to make sure that those plans and objectives are seen through. Thanks, Lee. Emma?
0: Um, I think really, just to echo Lee's comments, so obviously there was a great deal of speculation around the inheritance tax as a result of some of the reports that the Government has issued recently, so I do think it's going to be a bit of a watch this space on the inheritance tax front. Um, otherwise, it was a fairly quiet budget on the personal tax side. So, I do think that you know over the next few months we are going to have to watch this space and see you know what, what further developments there may be, which I suspect there will be some in the budget later in the year.
1: Great. Um- As I mentioned at the beginning, uh, yesterday also started pretty early, 7am actually, um, with the interest rate cut, half a percent, uh, kind of stole the thunder a little bit, so back to 0.25%. We obviously thought that Mark Carney's uh, job as a governor was largely done, but Will, what was the thinking behind this? And, And I suppose the real question for investors is, will that actually make a difference?
4: yeah i mean in this situation you'd probably argue that the central bank is a bit less powerful um than the government um in some circumstances because if you think about it you know in a social contain in a, in a in a social distancing scenario where you're trying to contain the envir- uh, contain the virus, you know one of the problems or one of the worst affected parts of the economy um, are the bits that rely on social contact. Um, you know, so restaurants and all that, all those parts of the leisure sector and travel sector which are currently most worst afflicted. Now, are cheaper interest rates going to induce me to change my behaviours which are being changed because I'm worried about you know catching COVID-19? Pro- probably not in the short run, um, but you know it is part of the package that is kind of easing some of the stress on, on, on companies, I would argue. And there's probably more coming from the world's central banks. You'll see more of this. But I think probably the most, or people are arguing that the most potent um, uh, uh, reactions should come from the governments themselves, that fiscal packages are things that are going to probably ease the strain uh, most powerfully um, in this situation, which, like I say, we still expect to be transitory.
1: Clearly for savers, interest rates going down to 0.25% is going to be a you know, big worry, particularly if that that persists. Um, for a while. Um, But I suppose with the rate cut, with government spending splashing the cash a little bit again there, and also stock market's now off over 20% year to date. We've seen some big moves uh, in recent days, we'll touch on that in a second. But is now a a time for investors to be being brave, and I think particularly for some of our investors, as we move into the end of tax year, thinking about topping up ISAs before that allowance runs out?
4: Well, this is always going to sound self-serving, but the point um, that I would make here, and I think it's a it's a really important one, is just remember um, why you are investing in the first place. Now, the point that we sort of uh, harp on about um, ad nauseum to everyone's kind of uh, people stick their fingers in their ears whenever I approach nowadays. That may not just be because of this comment, but the the point is about investing is that it's it's productivity. Um, you're trying to access um the world's future productivity you know humankind finding more ways to do with less and the point about that is that that innovation and the dissemination of innovation from everything from the excel spreadsheet the humble shipping container to the upcoming advances in artificial intelligence that allows companies to do more with less and the profits drop through to the bottom line and full flow through to shareholders so over time if you look at the sort of long-term charts of kind of shareholder returns you find that that's much more often up than down. Now, the point about this is that there is no change, in our opinion, to the medium term prospects for humankind's productivity. Actually, I would argue that those prospects for productivity are more Uh, uh, firmly founded than they've been for some time in some way um, in the fact that um, you know you've had spreading wealth and educational opportunities allows us to maximize uh, humankind's incredible resources so all that's happened in the last few weeks is that the ticket uh, the price of the ticket to access all of that innovation has come down quite sharply so I would suggest that it's a very good time for investors who are able to look beyond the next few months and years um, to access that ticket um, of a diversified multi-asset class portfolio or fund.
1: And we have seen some sharp moves in in recent days. I know we cover that off in in a lot of our investment updates, but any final words uh, just around the moves that we've seen in in the last 24 hours or so?
4: Yeah, there's a bit of panic out there and people are trying to, um, the the difficulty with this situation always is that you're dealing with a total unknown. No one really, uh, you know, the interesting thing is you're only really starting to see um, the economic effects Um, of uh, the containment efforts to come through. You know, we've seen them in China for some time, but China is actually starting to uh, bounce back. Uh, You know, workers are returning to work and you're seeing factories start to get back to business a little bit. uh, And you're seeing all the kind of high frequency indicators get back to seasonal norms. But for the developed world, you're really only just starting to see the effects. I mean, Italy is obviously a slightly different case. So people are guessing um, at what comes next. And some have got sort of scary stories about, you know, that it's going to be bigger than the great financial crisis and worse than this and, you know, you've got this oil price crash to throw into the uh, to the piece, which is causing little bits of stress in the credit pipelines here and there. Our point would be here, though, remember, is that when you got to the great financial crisis, you know, you are, um, in a way, many recessions are about correcting imbalances in the economy. And there were large imbalances in the US private sector, among other places um, around the world, which were kind of corrected viciously uh, in the great financial crisis. And that does to tend to be the exception, not the norm in terms of recessions. But here, on our estimation, anyway there weren't this is not a sort of imbalance correcting recession uh, it's an external shock an exon- exogenous shock um, to the economy you are going to do some damage um, to the economy permanent damage there's no doubt about that you know some parts of the services sector um, are gonna suffer um, and this is what part of the measures we've seen so far have been about of trying to keep those businesses kind of alive that are really gonna struggle from lacking social contact um, But, you know, in our opinion, you know, you are going to see likely, the most likely scenario still is quite a sharp bounce back um, in global economic activity in the second half of the year. Um, And from our perspective, we're kind of, we're we're sort of trying to look through um, all of this stress. And we're seeing quite a lot of quite interesting investment opportunities in the world's capital markets where fear seems to be the getting the better of people's ability to rationally diagnose and um, assess um, what the correct price is for certain assets.
1: Thanks, Will. Uh, We'll look to wrap up there. Thank you also to my other guests here in the room. And thank you, our listeners, for joining us once again for this Word on the Street budget special. Our thoughts remain, of course, with uh, those impacted by the virus. Stay vigilant and we hope you'll join us again for our regular updates. If you do enjoy our discussions, please do share with your family, friends and colleagues.
0: All investments can fall as well as rise in value and their past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. This podcast is not a personal investment recommendation.